0: Well, the clapping, I think, was for the youth group, but also for Carrie Garber, who put the um, video together for us. Thank you, Carrie. She did a wonderful job. I also, uh, two things that weren't mentioned in the video that I thought you would want to know is that we regularly, uh, after our summer missions trips for the youth group, regularly get reports about how wonderful our young people are. And so we're very, I hear that from the advisors and uh, as a report from the people that they worked with, through the advisors, that comes back to me. And um, so I'm always proud of those of you who've come through our youth group and those of you who are in our youth group. And this year in particular, two things that came back that I heard were that the people of, I think it's called Impact Mission, is that the name of the group? That what they said about our young people was two things. One is they, they came up to the advisors at one point and said, these are really amazing young people and you should know that. A, when we ask them to do something, they say, okay, and they go do it. Not everybody does that. He said, some young people come and we say, oh, we'd like you to clean out the trash in the backyard. And they're like, I'm not doing that, like, like as though that's beneath me. Well, our kids apparently just dive in and say, okay. And the other thing is that when they finished a job, they would come back and say, okay, what do I do now? I'm ready for more work. They didn't just, you know, peel off and go sit down. They came back and said, okay, well, we did that project. Now what's the next one? And so that really was a wonderful it uh, Stood out to the people who host lots of young, uh, young people, and so thank you guys. You, you uh, did us proud there, and uh, we're glad that you had a good trip and uh, represented the Lord well in that situation. Well, this morning I want to start out with a social media survey. I want you to raise your hands, literally, actually, physically. Raise your hand if this week you wrote or received an email. Did you write or receive an email this week? Okay, lots of hands. Lots of hands. How about Facebook? Did you look at or post something on Facebook this week? Not, not as many hands, but a lot. The one survey I looked at said that as many as three quarters, two-thirds of three-quarters, two-thirds of, to three-quarters of us are likely have accounts on Facebook. Doesn't mean we use it every week. How about um, YouTube? Uh, watch some probably watch something, not many of you probably posting. How about on YouTube? You watch something on YouTube this week. Okay, the numbers are falling a little bit. Um, what about Instagram? Did you post something or look at something on Instagram? Yeah, we're going down the ladder here a little bit. I think Instagram is more heavily used by younger people. Probably if you're under 40, maybe under 30, you're more likely to be on Instagram. Finally, what about Twitter? Did you post something or read something on Twitter this week? Yeah, just a few hands left. So yeah, there are some things that show up there. That's heavily used by people in journalism, and like public figures who want to get their words out. But these are the, so, the major social media platforms, the ones that many of us are interacting with in some way throughout the week. And so when we're on social media platforms, you realize that we can both consume social content, social media content, but you can also create social media content, right? Um, you can take in messages, you can take in information, you can take in emotions, and take in anxiety. All of those things can come to you through social media. But as a creator or producer, you can also generate those things. You can send messages, you can send information, you can uh, provide to other people, you produce emotions in other people, you can produce anxiety or tension, worry in other people. So it's a, it's a two-way street. We are both shaped by social, the social media we consumed and we are shapers of other people through social media. So, it's an important and powerful tool. Hold on to that, and we're going to come back to that in just a minute. One of the things that I include in my morning prayers uh, sometimes are written prayers, prayers that have been written and published by other people. I, I like them because they tend to be very thoughtfully written, and I find that helpful sometimes when I'm praying. One prayer that makes me think about social media every time I pray through it is John Stott's daily prayer. John Stott was a highly respected British theologian and pastor and author. Passed away several years ago, so I'm pretty sure John Stott himself was not a social media person. He lived uh, his life well before that was a thing. Um, but he wrote and memorized a, a morning pr- a prayer that he prayed every morning. See if you can figure. I'm going to read through it. See if you can figure out the part that makes me think of social media every time I pray this prayer. I've Americanized the language a little bit. Uh, John Stott was British but so I've Americanized it when I use it. Here's here's how it reads. Heavenly Father, I want to live this day in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I will take up my cross and follow you today. Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill me with yourself and to cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Holy, blessed, glorious Trinity, three persons in one God, have mercy on me. Almighty God, creator and sustainer of the universe, I worship you. Lord Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord of the world, I worship you. Holy Spirit, sanctifier of the people of God, I worship you. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Some of you are thinking, what in the world does that have to do with social media? (laughs) Well, I'm going to read for you the passage of Scripture that the section about the fruit of the Spirit comes from. That's the part that always makes me think about social media. And as I read through, I'm gonna read Galatians 5, verses 13 to 26, and as I do that, I want you to keep in mind in the background of your mind as I read it, your experiences of email or Facebook or YouTube this week. Just think about that as the context within which you hear this letter from Paul to the church in Galatia. Starting in verse 13, he says, and I'm reading in the New Living Translation. He says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Or we might say the fruit of your sinful nature of our sinful nature is very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, idolatry sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy. This is a long list. <laughs> our sinful nature produces lots of results, lots of fruit. Quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, but in contrast to that, in contrast to the results of the fruit of our sinful nature, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit or these kinds of results in our lives: love, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against any of these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. The New International Version there says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us keep in step With the Spirit. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. This actually might be a good passage for you to consider reading, rereading every day this week and meditating on it. We are some, I think many of us are familiar with those verses that talk about the fruit of the Spirit or that list them. But we're not that familiar with the context, because often it's taken out of its context. It might be helpful to just read this whole passage to keep that in in its context and to ask, what might the Holy Spirit want to say to me from this passage this week? Here's my paraphrasing of what I think Paul is saying here in this passage. He says, we've been freed from our sin by the sacrificial death of Jesus. We have been freed from our sin by His sacrifice. We sang about that this morning. We've been freed by the grace of God from trying to earn our right standing with God by keeping the law, or we might say by trying to do the right thing. We, by the grace of God, we don't have to earn our salvation by being good people on our own strength. This is the freedom to enjoy God and the freedom to live the lives That he intended for us to live, the lives that please him. So, this is a little different than the word freedom that we think about as Americans, what we think about political freedoms or political rights. Paul thought about those kind of things as a Roman citizen. He had certain rights as a Roman citizen, and so we think about freedom in a particular way, but here Paul's talking about these kind of freedoms, freedoms from the entanglements of sin, freedom from the burden of sin, freedom from having to earn our salvation. And we're free to something as well. We're not just free from something. We're free to serve. We're free to serve the Lord Jesus. Free to enjoy God, part of our mission statement, because of what God has done in our lives. So the freedom here is not the freedom just to do our own thing. It's not freedom from responsibilities to God or to other people. It's a freedom from sin, but a freedom to God and a freedom to serve, to enjoy God, to be in relationship with Him. Paul talks in various places about how we used to be slaves to sin, and now he says you're slaves to Christ. So that it's not that we don't have responsibilities in our freedom, that our freedom is without, means that we're without responsibilities. We're responsible to God to use our freedom appropriately and to, um, to, to live our lives and surrender to Him and use our freedom to please Him. So Paul goes on to say, live the life the Holy Spirit leads you to live, and let the Holy Spirit ripen His fruit in your life. Don't wander back into the the life of sin and degradation that you lived in before your sins were forgiven. Don't put that weight back on your shoulders. So the things listed, that long list in verses 19, 20, and 21, those are the things that we, we turned away from when we surrendered our lives to Christ, and we repented of our sin, and we turned away from them. And then he says, if the person and the power of the Holy Spirit is at work within us, We and the people around us will notice, look at that, (laughs) there's more and more love coming up in that person's life. There's more and more joy in that person's life. There's more peace than there used to be. There's more kindness. That person is kinder, maybe not kinder than you are, but kinder than they used to be. We all ripen at different speeds and have a different starting point. But there's more goodness that's coming to maturity in our lives. There's more faithfulness. We're more gentle and more self-controlled than we used to be because of the work of the Holy Spirit within us. So, what does that have to do with being consumers and creators of social media? What does it look like to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit as consumers and creators of social media? Consumers first. I think it means a couple of things. One, I think it means that we pay attention to our own levels of fear our own levels of anxiety, our own levels of outrage. And when we sense those going up, we know it's time to back away from wherever it's coming from. If it's social media, if it's a person, whatever. But if it's social media, maybe it's time to back that down a little bit. Because we are the people of peace and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness. We're not the people of fear and anxiety and outrage. We're people of self-control and truthfulness, because we know that the truth sets us free as well. Another thing it means, paying attention to our own levels of fear, anxiety, or Another thing it means, paying attention to whether or not social media is creating any problems in our real-world relationships with with actual people. If your use of social media is causing you to be upset with somebody or look down on them or, as we've been talking the last few weeks, think you're better than that person, if it leads you to be disgusted with someone, probably a time to, to kind of back away from that, to connect with that person in person or by Zoom or phone or whatever's appropriate and to talk to them, just talk to them rather than exchanging back and forth. Remember that a third thing would be to remember that social media tend to be polarizing, especially email and Facebook on politics and con- controversial issues. I fully expect this to get worse over the next three months. Because campaign strategists have learned that Facebook especially rewards more extreme messaging. And so you're more likely to see more and more extreme things that that stir up outrage. They're designed to provoke you. But Facebook and email are just not the place to argue with other people. Talk to them in person. So if you're sharing or forwarding something because that post made you mad or because it's the post that's going to set someone straight, If it's a gotcha post or an email, please don't send it or please don't forward that. The the impulse to get somebody is not one of the fruits of the Spirit, Um, and it's not the right tool for that anyway. Another thing would be to not assume that everything you read or see is true. At least some of what we read in email and see on Facebook deliberately shades the truth. Some of it is even intentionally false, intentionally false. So, be suspicious of things that make public figures sound strangely disgusting. At least do some digging to find out if it's true. You're probably aware that uh, people are already using technology to misrepresent their opponents. In the last year or two, <clears throat> one video was made or was circulated that, uh, where the audio track was slowed down to make the person uh, that was in the video sound like they were drunk, when they weren't drunk at all. They just slowed the audio track down to make it sound like that, and that was posted as, hey, see what this person is really like. Um, Other times, this is political true with uh, political ads, the footage is edited to make it look like the person is for something that they're not really for, or against something that they're not really against, or that they're more strongly for or against something than they really are. It's an attempt to shade the truth, to misrepresent what's true. And unfortunately i've been learning about new technology that will also um, enable people to create completely false things that sound true it's tech, uh, especially audio but apparently there's video technology like this as well that if you record 30 to 40 minutes of somebody speaking like you could take one or two of my sermons They're, none of them are 40 minutes long we have more anyway uh, several of them put them together and you can create a database of the way that i say words You can make that recorded voice say anything you want it to say, anything, and it'll sound like that person really said it. And the same thing is evidently coming with video, and so it's going to create a real problem for us in being able to trust our ears and our eyes. So just be aware of that. Be alert to that. Let's be wise together about this, because as I said, I think this is going to heat up over the next three months and probably beyond that but especially this next three months of August, September, October as we gear up for another presidential election. But friends, if the fruit of the Spirit is ripening within you, if as a follower of Jesus you've surrendered your life to the presence and the work and the power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit at work within you, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be anxious or worried about this. You're ready for this because the Holy Spirit's already at work within you. And you're ready for the challenges, I think, of being consumers of social media. We just need to be reminded of some of these things from time to time. What about being creators of social media? Well, many of the same things apply. I think one of the most helpful guides I've come across recently is this book that we studied here a year ago uh, called Christians in the Age of Outrage by Ed Stetzer. Christians in the Age of Outrage, um, really excellent, helpful material in there, especially chapter 10, if you have the book. Um, and if you don't, you can get it. But uh, chapter 10, he talks about how to, how to be a presence in the social media world and how to shape that uh, in godly ways, how to use social media for the gospel. Uh, but in the book, he calls us, for Christians, to be missionaries, what he says, missionaries to the outrage of our culture, not to be missionaries of outrage. In other words, not to be people who are, uh, who are contagious because we're outraged, but that we're we're, um, able to respond to the outrage because of who we are in Christ. So missionaries to the outrage, not missionaries of outrage. He, He calls for us to be missionaries of grace, to build relational bridges to people through social media or around social media, and to have personal conversations, to invite people to connect with us relationally and to have personal conversations with them. As I mentioned to you before, I think email and Facebook are simply not the places to have a thoughtful argument with anyone about anything. Um, they're just not the right tools for that. One of the main problems is that you don't respond to each other in real time. It's what's called asynchronous communication, where things happen at different points in time. You you can't, it's not really a conversation to have not the appropriate place to have thoughtful exchanges about sensitive issues. In his book, um, Ed Stetzer gives five, I think really helpful criteria for online posting. That's in chapter 10, and he has a much longer explanation there than I have time to give you this morning, but he gives us five criteria for our online posting that I think are just excellent and worth, worth our consideration. The first one is that our posts online, uh, social media, should be encouraging. They should be encouraging. They should build someone up. They should build up a person or build up a community rather than tear them down. Secondly, they should be kind. Our postings should be kind. I think you know what that means. Thirdly, they should be winsome. Winsome just means attractive or uh, invitational, appealing. They should draw people, as followers of Jesus, our postings should be winsome in the sense that they draw people to place their trust and find their hope in Jesus. Fourthly, they should be patient. Our postings should be patient, Not, not popping off, not reacting Giving the other person the benefit of the doubt because we're patient with them. And five, our post should be humble, should be humble because you and I acknowledge that we just don't know everything that can be known about whatever it is we have something to say about. We might have opinions and good ones, but you can't possibly know everything there is to be known about whatever subject you're posting on. So, there's plenty of room for us to be humble. So, encouraging, kind, winsome, patient, and humble. Humble. If you pay attention to news from the sports world, you may have seen a beautiful example of this approach about two weeks ago by an NFL professional football uh, player, professional football player who happens to be Jewish, um, and by NFL I mean American football, not soccer. Um, what happened was that an NFL player who happens to play for the Philadelphia Eagles, Deshaun Jackson, posted a claim on Instagram. He had been, uh, in this time of quarantine, had been taking in Social media content, and he was responding on Instagram by posting that he had learned that white Jews are plotting world domination, that, that they are the ones who are behind the mistreatment and the discrimination and the lynching of black people. And he thought that that really, you know, people needed to know that. He posted that on a Monday. And as you might guess, that sparked a whole lot of reaction. On, uh, on Instagram, Twitter, all the places I mentioned before, lots of reaction, filled sports talk news for days. Three days later on Thursday, a Jewish player who is white and Jewish, who play, happens to play for the New England Patriots, Julian Edelman, posted a response to the Monday posting. He said, Deshaun, I respect you as a player, I respect you as a person. And you and I have connected in the past, and it's a video that you can see, you can look it up. Um, It's longer than I'm going to quote here this morning, but then he goes on to say, I think the black and Jewish communities have a lot of similarities. One unfortunate similarity is that they are both attacked by the ignorant and the hateful. Both black people and Jewish people are both attacked by the ignorant and the hateful. Edelman goes on to say, we need to listen, we need to learn, we need to act, We need to have those uncomfortable conversations if we're going to have real change. So to that end, Deshawn, let's do a deal. How about we go to Washington, D.C., and I take you to the Holocaust Museum, where Jackson would learn about the mistreatment of uh, Jewish people, and then you take me to the Museum of African American History and Culture, where Edelman would learn more about the mistreatment of black people, Afterward, we grab some burgers and we have those uncomfortable conversations. I just, I, when, I, when I saw that, I thought, this is wonderful. What a beautiful example of what I'm talking about. He took several days. He was patient. He was uh, patient also in that he assumed the best about Deshaun Jackson and his motivations. He was kind. He responded with grace and with patience. He was humble. He didn't assume that he knew everything about all of what they were talking about. He offered a relational bridge. He invited personal conversation. He said, let's let's learn from each other. Let's listen to each other. Let's have an uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversation. It was winsome. It was invitational. And, you know, the other thought that I had, friends, is as far as I know, neither of these men are Christians. And I thought, well, if... People who aren't Christians can do this. Followers of Jesus should be outstanding in how we do this, right? There should be lots of examples of how you and I have done this in our, in our social media feeds, in our public conversations, whatever it is. We should be all stars at this, being encouraging and kind and winsome, patient and humble. And I hope you're encouraged to pledge to uh, continue to grow in that direction by that example and that story. And as I said before, if the fruit of the Spirit is ripening within you, you're ready for this. You're ready for this in the months to come. You're ready for the challenges of being both a consumer and a creator of social media content. I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to continue this work in us. And I hope you can join me in that prayer. You guys can come if you let take your places <clears throat> as i pray holy spirit on behalf of this congregation and all who participate remotely i ask you lord to fill us today with yourself and to cause your fruit to ripen in our lives as individuals but also in our life together in our lives together in our families in our lives together in all the places where we go holy spirit fill us up today ripen your fruit within us, love and joy, peace and patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness, and self-control. Lord, I ask you to equip us today to go out from this place as missionaries, as ambassadors of your kingdom, ambassadors to the fear and the anxiety and the outrage the falsehoods of our time. Lord, in our use of social media, we want to be outstanding examples of people who are encouraging and kind, people who are winsome and patient and humble in how we conduct ourselves. To each other, to our neighbors, and to everyone we impact online and everyone we impact in person this week. Holy Spirit, work in us and through us for your namesake and for the praise of your glory and for the coming of your kingdom on this earth. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.